Welcome to another episode of Bleachers and Boards, brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast. I'm Marlon Guild, and along with my co-host Matt Collier, we'll analyze everything from hoops to hip-hop. Check us out. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com Podcast, the Players Court, and our team-focused NBA pods, Cavaliers Central, Grizz and Grind, and Nuck If You Buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Bleachers and Boards on the Hoopheads Podcast. I'm Matt Collier, here with my co-host, Marlon Gill. Marlon, what's going on, man? What's going on, brother? How's it going? Doing okay, man. Doing okay. Excited to be uh, back on the show with you. Looking forward to another great episode. Nah, you, you know it, man. Same here. Looking for, forward to it. So I think we just get right into it. Let's um, go. Let's jump in. You know, let, let's go. You a Queens guy. So we yes, going to start first. Yes, sir. You, know, you came at me crazy on our first episode talking <laughs> about, you know, B.I.G. Mm-hmm. What about this Nas album, man? What, what's... What's your take on King's Disease? King's Disease. King's Disease. It's, um, I like it. I thought it was a, a solid album. Very timely. Obviously, Nas always gives you the knowledge, gives you the wisdom. And uh, I thought it was a solid album. Um, Production-wise, wasn't what I'm used to from him. Uh, the whole album was produced by a hit boy. Who I'm not really that familiar with his uh, with his stuff. I heard um, I went back and listened to the J Electronica album and know that he did uh, a track on there. So wasn't too familiar with him. So it was a little bit different from what I'm used to uh, from a production standpoint from Nas. Um, but it wasn't bad. You know, it, it was okay. Um, can't say it was the greatest, if I'm being honest. But it was all right. And lyrically, Nas always does his thing. I'm I'm gonna cut you off. So good. Which you weren't really feeling. Let's be honest. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, well, you know what's crazy though? I actually liked it better than um, the the Kanye project that he did. I liked it better than that. I thought that um, even though Kanye's a great producer and they made great, made good songs in the past um, on Nas's previous albums and then on Kanye's albums. They've done better work before. I didn't think that album flowed right for whatever reason. Um, Nas released the Lost Tapes, I think it was last last year. I liked that project. Um, so I would say I liked um, the Lost Tapes too more than I like like this album. But it's it, it's it's solid. It's solid. I'm not gonna. I was disappointed in a couple of tracks. One in particular, I was disappointed in. But overall, I thought it was solid. You know. You know, Nas is on his grown man now. You know, he's not a young cat anymore. So it was all right. It was all right. Whatever comes out next from whatever artist, you're not listening to Nas's album after that. Pretty much is what. It's pretty much what you're saying. Well, it, de- it depends who it is. It depends who it is. You know, I'm. You know, I'm picky. You know, I'm picky. So it's, it depends who it is. I can't say that whoever makes an album, I'll be listening to that because that's not the case. I'm. I'm. I'm for. You know, it's one of my faults. I, I have no problem admitting it. Um, that's just me. I'm very picky, so I don't listen to a lot. So um, I can't say <laughs> if and when the next next thing that I'll be listening to will come out. Listeners, just so we're clear, Matt was not feeling the album. He just doesn't want to come straight out and say. And you know, he, it's okay. It's it's a it's 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 nice. It's okay. You, you can remember Hit Boy. Like Hit Boy is a nice up and coming producer it was okay that's cool (laughs) congratulations to that man i'm not solicit like i said i'm picky man i'm picky i'm a picky dude when it comes to comes to music i like what i like other stuff uh you know i respect it but that doesn't mean i'm gonna listen to it so it's unfortunately that's me I'm, i'm a little snobby when it comes to that type of stuff but you know that's me 
Hey, for the listeners, just so we're clear, I said it before and I'm going to say it again. Matt is going to Chloe from Set It Off, this non-CD. <laughs> something else he likes comes out. And that's just what it is. Now, can I give you my opinion on it? Sure, absolutely. I actually enjoyed it. I so did I. See, you. The no. problem is you're taking it. Say, when I say it's okay, you're you're trying to interpret what that means. When I'm literally, it it literally means it's okay. I didn't say I didn't enjoy. If I listen, if I didn't like it, I would say I didn't like it. I wouldn't have any problem saying that. But go ahead. You're, How did you feel about it? You're not listening to it again. Like once, you know, one of your Queens brethrens come out with another album. You're not listening to. See, the, per, the I, person doesn't have to be from Queens. That don't start that. It, they do not have to be from Queens for me to listen to it. That's just not accurate. That's not true. Now you're you're really trying to pigeonhole me into being a homer, and that's no, not 100 no, percent no, the case. No, I'll stick up for my Queens dudes, but I don't necessarily only listen to music that is made by. I'm not from Queens. That's not true. I'm not calling you Sean Elliott, man. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sean Elliott too, man. I like Sean Elliott's game. Uh, but for me, I like the production. Okay. I, I like the, the opening track on, on the album. Uh, it gave me that old school vibe that, you know, I could drive on a Sunday, windows right. pull down, sunset. I, I, I thought, you know, that, that was a good record. I'm a Absolutely. Bit- I think that's the vibe of the album. It's a uh yeah. And I, and I think that the first track, it, acts, it sets the tone for the album. It's a smooth, laid-back album for the most part. Right. I prefer, something a, I prefer something a little bit more banging, for the last, lack of a better term. Like, I, you know, that's my, that's my preference. I'm not into the slow flow as much as some people might be. I want to... You know, I, I want to go, I, you know, when, when, the, when the album comes on. It doesn't have to be, you know, party music. You know, that's not it. But, you know, I like a little bit more oomph, if, if that makes sense. But, like, I, you know, I have to accept that, just like me, these guys are getting older. So they're, they're not necessarily inclined to make the same type of stuff they were doing, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So that, that's just a fact of life. It, it is what it is. So I, I guess I have to adjust. I'm just not, I'm not ready. <laughs> okay. So now two questions Yep. That, that, you know, everybody, like if you're a hip hop head, the firm reunion, talk about that. What do you think? Ooh, ooh, I, I see how you starting off with this. I'm not gonna, I have to be honest. I was extremely disappointed in that track, probably more so than anything else. Now I was very I was very disappointed in that track. Now was it a particular artist on that that disappointed you, or just as a whole, it, it just didn't grab you? It, it did not grab me, and it was not what I was expecting when I saw the track list before the album came out, and I saw the lineup. It was okay to get in the firm, the original firm back together, the original, the original yeah. firm back together, and I was like, wow, okay, and I f- assumed probably incorrectly that they said, okay, if we're going to, and they, those guys never really all the way got to do a, a project together this because is true. They, you know what I mean? They, they felt, they fell out. So when I saw the track list, my expectation was like, okay, they never got a chance to really do it. Like I said, 25 years ago. So now they're going to come, they're going to come back together and this is going to be serious. They're going to say, okay, we got to bring it all the way back to that time. 95. Like this is what it's going to be. And so when the track came on and that didn't happen, I, I was disappointed. I was. I can't, can't sugarcoat it. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm not, you know, I just, it wasn't what I was looking for. Maybe other people feel differently. It wasn't what I was looking for. But again, that could be my expectations not being, necessarily fair to to the artists and the artists involved which i can i can own that it's just that's just me being me okay well i'm gonna go the opposite okay i liked it from the standpoint that it brought everybody back together off the simple fact of what you said the first time around it was a lot of issues whether mm-hmm. cats weren't showing up to the studio uh you know Cormega having his issues, so they went and got Nature. 
mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. So I was just happy to have everybody back. And then plus, you know, AZ's from East New York, too, and I got to Yep. Respect, they monster. He's a monster. Got one of the best that one of the best to ever do it. One of the that best to ever do it. It's true. One of the nicest to ever do it. So I mean, if I can just pause for a second. So that's why when I have to listen to other people, other rappers, and somebody tell me that they're nice, to me, that's and, and we want to start making lists and all of this of who's where. It's hard for me because I start thinking about people like him. And I said, well, if he's not in the GOAT category and you're trying to put somebody else in the GOAT category, but he's not even better than AZ. So how could he be a GOAT? That he's, he's one of those people that I, I, when, I, when people want to start comparing and making lists and people want to put guys up hot, if he's not better than him, how could be he considered you know, on the GOAT list? But that's a separate conversation. But uh, yeah, AZ is a monster, a monster. Yeah. So I, I was happy to hear AZ. Um, his verse was actually nice. Yeah. Nice verse. And, and the beat just fit the way he rhymes. Would, would you agree? Now, I mean, AZ yeah. does have a little, you know, AZ does, he does, he does do well with the slow flow. I, I, I will say that. I will say that. So I think, you know, AZ can get on any track and, and, and represent because he's very good. Yeah. But he does tend to, that was more his flavor. You know, the slow flow, the little, more subtle beats you know he can get on a primo he can get on a premiere beat too though let's not get it twisted he does he <laughs> and he does his thing on those too but you know that's a little bit more was of his uh i guess his his aura his personality was the little the slow flow uh laid more laid back beats than other guys i would say that was more his lane okay okay now <clears throat> the last one last question i have big sean makes an appearance now, okay. I'm a I'm a big big Sean fan. I think you put him on any track, he's kind of gonna show his skills. What do you think? Think he's okay. Think he's okay. Oh my god! Hey, he's okay, folks. Matt's a hard critic. I, I've said it before. I am. I am. Uh, uh, what now? What track was? What was the? What, what was the name of that track? I, I know the track that he was on. It was um. Um, it was the one where it was a. Uh, was actually it was about relationships. It was uh, it was um. It wasn't all bad, was it? Was it the was it the track with Anderson Pack? No, that no. one. It was. Okay. See, this, this, this or, is, or was it till the war is one? No, it, it was, no. Re- replace me. It's right before till. Replace the war. me. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was all right. You didn't it play? was. No, I did play it. I did play it. No, I listened. To, I listened to the whole it album three or four times. Like, where is it on the album? So it, it was. It. I, I'm not. I'm okay. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a huge Big Sean fan. I think he's okay. Not disrespecting him. He's okay. He's a big. He's a, he's above average. I'll give him that. He's okay. He's okay. The person who I, who actually surprised me a little bit on the um on the last track was uh ASAP Ferg. That I don't really know his music like that, but on the on the, uh, the spicy, that, yeah. that, that, I thought his verse was okay. I was like, all right, I'm, I was feeling that. I was like, okay, that's not bad. So you know, I'll, listen, I give credit where I, I'll give credit where I believe, where I believe is due. Again, and I'm not saying that Big Sean's verse wasn't good. I'm not saying it was whack. I, it was okay to me. He's like, all right, it was respectable. It wasn't, you know, like oh can never listen to that again it wasn't that it was respectable it was cool to me to me like you know the, to me all right so let, let's just get to, what are you giving this out on a scale of one to ten what, what do you well, well i'll bring it back to the mic i'll bring it back to the mic um the mic uh scale i would say i would give it um hmm. he's thinking I would, I would, I would go three and a quarter. Out of five, are we going out of out five? Out of five, okay. Three and a, three and a quarter, three and a quarter, Mike's. Three and a quarter. Can't go three and a half. So I would say, but I would say it's a little bit better than better than three. So I, okay, I'll, three and a quarter. I'll take that, and that's where 
I may have scored it as well. You know, three and a quarter, uh, you know, right in that 72% range. So, you know, we're not. (laughs) Above average. It's above average. Yeah, if if you had the free throw line and shoot 72%, You'll no. take it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, You'll we'll, take it. Right? Right. That's what it is. It's a, It's a. okay, I'll take this for now. That's exactly what it is. It's a, okay, I'll take this for now. I, 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 can, I can live with this. That's exactly right. In the clutch? Not sure, but. <laughs> You're not playing King's Disease if the game's on the line. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. So what, how, how are you feeling about the, uh, how are you feeling about the NBA playoffs, the bubble? I love it. You it's know, been good. Well, some of the games have been good. Some of them are starting to get lopsided. Some, you know, either way. But some, of, but the games have been. Some of the games have been very good. The games that have been good have been very good. Yes, I, I like what it took to get to the playoffs. You know, they, they narrowed down the teams in the bubble, and you saw teams like fighting for that position to to make it. Absolutely whether it was the East or, or the West. You couldn't tell who was guaranteed a playoff spot, who was trying to get a playoff spot. And that was great. Uh, I, I think, you know, what we saw from Phoenix, go 8-0 out there. Uh, Devin Booker played phenomenally. Uh, Monty Williams is a great coach. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in, in my opinion, you know, with everything that he's going through to get to this point now, Absolutely. Now, I'm going to say this. I watched that playing game. Phenomenal idea. Whoever thought of it, do it again. Uh, Watching Memphis versus Portland, there's a true story. They went at it. They they went at it. But I put on my Twitter, I said, the moment might have been too big for John Moran. Now, this was in the first half. Yeah. moment may have been too big for John Moran. Matt, you're my guy. So, you know, I think I know what I'm talking about. I study the game pretty well. My DM started flooding <laughs> from Murray State fans that I had to Oh, come. really? Oh, it, it was pretty- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, loyal, they're loyal base, loyal fan base. Got to be careful. Yeah, I had to call their coaching staff. I say, I get it now. <laughs> I get it. And then – in that second half, as he started hooping, they started yeah, they my DMs again. Told yeah. you. Don't know yeah. what you're talking about, Coach. No, I like John Moran. I like John Moran. I think he's got a, a bright future. I like his his attitude because – and you can see as a rookie in that game, like you said, they started off a little slow. Then he started to get it back. But then down the stretch of the game, he has some costly turnovers, you know, trying to get in the lane, jump, yeah. make passes – you know, and they ended up turning into turnovers, that type of thing. So, but he seems to me, and obviously I don't know him, never coached him, but he seems to me like somebody that will learn from it and grow right. from it. He didn't, he won't make excuses about and blame, point the finger type of thing. I think he'll he'll in, not internalize it to in a negative way, but he'll look at his performance, you know, down the stretch and say, okay these are things I need to improve on going forward to take the next step as a player and then a leader and the point guard of, of that's Memphis, of this Memphis team to take them to the next step. So sure. that, that's what's just part of it. It's a learning process. So he, he'll, 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 he'll get it. Um, and I, I like, but I like the way he plays and um, I think he, he'll, he'll improve from that. And that's, it, that was one of the things that you heard people say a lot for some of the younger teams. It was a great experience to get that playoff atmosphere Right. Right. You know, early in their careers and now understand what it really takes and see that level of intensity and competition and what it takes to take that next step. So that's um, that's a big part of it. So, you know, even though those guys are NBA players and, and we coach in college, it's all it's still always a growth process. It's always a getting better and learning lessons from from games. So. Um, it's been great. A, a, a comment that I actually saw repeated a couple of times, which I think is true, is that the intensity that the games were played at, even though they were technically regular season games, were sort of college basketball-like, right. where, you, you know, every, you could see that guys were valuing every possession defensively, hustling after the ball, diving on the floor, taking charges. It wasn't, you know, with the NBA, obviously, an 82-game season, it's a lot. So, 
you don't have you have to I guess pace yourself a little bit <laughs> a little bit more over the course and every game is not intense to that level every night because you know, such a long season and, and with travel and things like that but the way the season is condensed it really put everybody on you know in, in that kind of super intense environment right away and you saw that and and so that and that was that was a lot of fun to watch and see yeah no I, I agree and if it was one thing that kind of made me upset and not necessarily upset I was disappointed and a lot of my coaching colleagues and, and your coaching colleagues alike would probably say the same they're playing the game at the milk house yeah milk yeah. house supposed to be our place <laughs> yeah. yeah a lot a lot of spend a lot of time in there a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of jackets a lot of, of jackets. That that it was. It, that was always the running joke. That uh, if you were, if you were lucky enough, you were running to a veteran coach. That if you told them you were going to Orlando, they would tell you and make sure you bring a jacket. But make sure you uh, wear long pants. And you oh, you need long pants. It's, I'm going to Florida. Like nah, homie. When the milk house when they kick that AC up, it's on another level. You will freeze all the way through to the bone if you don't have a jacket and long pants sitting in the milk house for too long. So uh, so they so maybe I don't know how they have it there. Maybe they do a better job of con- uh, temperature control. I can uh, assure you the heat is on. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the yeah. heat is on. So they, they might do a better job controlling it uh, than they did for uh, AAU games. But now the milk house spent a lot of time in there, that's for sure. A lot of time. Yeah, you know, so that, that was the one – Downside I had. You You thought that you thought that's the college basketball coach's spot, not the NBA guy's spot. The milk house on television, and and I know me. I'm looking at the TV screen. Oh man, I've been on all those courts in there because they Mm -hmm. got about eighty of them. Yeah, it was was, was, is six downstairs or or four? It's two is two two upstairs. Two upstairs and downstairs. Yeah. Yeah, you had uh, the Jostens court, which was mm-hmm. you're right, 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 right. Yep, yep. You got the, the other. Oh one. yeah, yeah. The Jostens one. Yeah, and the, yeah. And that one is huge. That one was like eight courts, right, on the other side. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, good times, good times, good times. Now, maybe what? Maybe hopefully we'll be able to get back there soon. I, I hope so, man. I, I hope so. Next July. Yeah. I hope we're, we're all there. Freezing. <laughs> That's why, because hot out, hot outside, freezing inside. Freezing inside, hot outside. But you knew you had, you knew you got your gear early for July, to, mm-hmm. and you had your three quarter zip. And yep, need, necessary. Yeah. And then you had, and it, it, you know, you hope that you could park, park. You got a spot in the parking lot, not on the grass. Yes. Then God forbid, if it rains, you just uh, you're walking through straight mud, and we, you hope that you. And then, then after a while, too, that's a that's a walk. You have to you rush into a game, and you got if you're all the way in the back parking lot, and now the game's starting, and now you gotta. It doesn't look like a long walk, but once you start walking, you're like man, this, <laughs> this is a walk to get there. Then you gotta get there, find your court. So yeah, it's uh, you know, but those are the good old days, a lot of good old days. For sure, for sure. Which kind of leads to our next segment, you know, the good old days. Now you were a guy, you were at Drexel down there in Philly for a good amount of time. Uh, obviously, you got to see Allen Iverson, you know, mm-hmm. up close. A couple Sixers um, games, yep. Yeah, so, you know. Brought the house down. He was fun to watch in there, and they loved him. He he was he was a very, very popular player in Philadelphia. They loved, Like, when AI uh, was in Philly, it was uh, – he he was really a popular player. Lots of fun watching him because he he brought it every night. You know, little dude, but every night he put on a show. Right, it was it was amazing to watch. Ah, well, you know what, and, and that kind of leads to uh, you know what I want to touch on with, with AI just before we get into our our chalkboard talk. You know, this past week obviously was uh, you know Kobe Bryant's birthday, the late great Kobe Bryant, and uh, you know. Allen Iverson, who never minces words or anything, you know, wrote a, a touching story uh, in the Players' Tribune. And, you know, for the listeners, if you didn't have a chance to uh, 
check it out. You know, I advise you, you do so. Um, you know, you kind of saw the, the admiration that Allen Iverson had for Kobe Bryant as a competitor, obviously, but, you know, just as a person. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that gets, you know, you know, misconstrued when you see competitors on the court, you kind of think that they don't really like one another. And in the uh, story, like, Allen Iverson was the total opposite of what you would think he felt towards Kobe. You know, uh, he spoke about how, how he worked, uh, you know, the way he conducted himself. Everything was just business. And, you know, in the game of basketball, you know, in our like from the coach's standpoint, everything is kind of business. For us to get to where it is we want to get to, which is ultimately to, to win games. But, you know, I, I really liked how he spoke about, you know, not taking the competition serious once you got off the floor. Right. On the court, we're going to try to rip each other's heads off, you know, there's no friends, things of that nature. But off the court, they would talk and, you know, pick each other's brains. And I, I thought it, it was pretty cool how he asked Kobe, hey, uh, I'm coming to L.A., let's go hang out. So they go to hang out, and he says uh, – he asked Kobe, hey, I'm going to the club tonight. Where are you going? I'm going back to the gym. Yep. And hey, I just kind of looked at him like – Dude, this is L.A. What are you doing? <laughs> nah, I'm going to the gym. Nah. I think you got to see how both of those guys are. Right. You know, but still similar as those, you know, guys that just want to rip your head off on, on, on the court. What was your take on AI and, and a little bit of, of Kobe? I, I don't know if you had a chance to really hear some Kobe stories being down mm. in Philly, but, you know, just talk a little bit about AI if you could, man. Your take. Well, first, it was a real. Uh, it was emotional to read it because, mm-hmm. again, and it, I think sometimes situations like this, people are okay with being vulnerable, and you usually don't hear men talk about another man in that fashion. You know, to express how much admiration they have, especially in a competitive environment, you just don't you don't see or hear that. And obviously, this is a diff- somewhat of a different situation because unfortunately, Kobe passed. But even so, it's hard for men and competitors to open up and show vulnerability. And so, it was emotional reading it. Like, wow, he, he you don't they again they couldn't express it to each other when they were playing, yeah. but. <laughs> but uh, but you could see the the respect uh, that they both had for each other, just even from just Allen Iverson telling the story. So I thought I thought he did a really good job with it. It definitely um, it, t- it, t- it, t- it touched for sure. It, it, it was definitely touched. And being in Philly, you didn't knowing people from Philadelphia, you definitely hear a lot of Kobe stories, a lot of you know, a lot of you know, legendary stories and, and just stories about him and him coming up in that area. And then again, like I said, you know, and, uh, being in Philadelphia when Allen Iverson was playing, you, you know, you know, the impact and the, the love he, he had in the city. So yes, you definitely, you definitely heard a lot about it. And, but those two, but again, it showed they were both competitors, but in a different way, mm-hmm. they, they, they were, they were in a, in a different way where, Kobe was the big time preparation, obviously, right? Like that for him, everything was preparation, 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 which I believe is the tools to be very successful, right? But then you have Allen Iverson, who, you know, famously with the practice thing, you know, him and Larry Brown button heads a little bit. But Allen Iverson's thing was, I'm going to do what I have to do off the court to get myself in the right frame of mind. So when the lights are on, I'm one of the meanest competitors out there. Right. And they, and they were both able to do it. They did it their own way. Allen Iverson did it his way and he had his success and Kobe did it his way and he had his success. So it's all up to the individual. Obviously as coaches, we're always going <laughs> to, we're going to promote the being in the gym, uh, preparing as opposed to hanging out in the club. 
but you can't argue with the success that Allen Iverson had also and what he was able to do. And it's just, a, then you start thinking of, well, what if he did prepare, like how <laughs> Kobe prepared if, you know, if he was able to do what he was doing, just, I'm not going to say he just showed up to the games and played, but you know, the, Kobe was on a different level with the preparation. So then, you know, your mind wanders to, okay, if Allen Iverson had done that, but maybe not, you know, maybe he would have burned himself out if he did that. Maybe, maybe he needed that escape off the court right. to, to drive his hunger for, you know, for when the game started. So, it, you know, you can always speculate, but all we know is the results and the results that they, <laughs> they were both phenomenal players. And, um, but again, have a uh, great respect for each other. And, and I thought Allen Iverson did a great job uh, expressing that. And um, it, it, was a, it was a great read. I'm going to say this. Allen Iverson was such a bad dude on that court. Matt, they named the action after him. Yeah, yeah, they did. Like, Larry, Larry Brown made him famous. Made him, made him famous. Run, got a lot of open looks off of it. He got a Look, but you fast forward now, like for us as coaches, when we're doing scouts and teams run a, a, a one-four action, it's now called an Iverson cut. Yep, yep. So <laughs> the man has plays mm-hmm. that's named after him. Yep, it is. No, you're right. It's, 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 it's stamped. It's official. If you, one, one four high set, guard comes off the four and the five, that's an Iverson cut. It is. That's, it's stamped. He made it famous. You know, credit to Larry Brown, one of the best coaches to ever do it. But that, but right, but he, uh, you know, yeah, he made it famous. Made a living off of it. And scored a lot of buckets off of it. Made a living. A lot of buckets. Scored a lot of buckets. So you know, let, let's segue into our, our chalkboard talk, talking okay. about the, uh, the Iverson cut. So mm-hmm. you know, when I was at St. Peter's, uh, you know, we ran some actions off of the Iverson cut. Uh, now, obviously, when you guys were at Drexel, y- y'all ran the Iverson cut a- as well. Uh, so we just want to talk about that. Um, we'll show it here. And for everybody that wants to check it out, you'll have a chance to do so on, on our YouTube page. But we're going to talk about it here as well. So so here, the, the first clip is uh, at St. Peter's when we played Rutgers. So like you said, Matt, we tried to start it with, with a 1-4 alignment and what we always try to do and I love to get your opinion on this we would always put our two and our five on the same side okay so more times than not you know we would put the two on the right wing the five on the right elbow four man on the left elbow three on the uh, left wing so one play that we always got and I used to yell to play out you know, before it even happened. And Coach Dunn, when I coached with him at St. Peter, would always look at me like, hey, you better not yell this out before we get it. <laughs> I would get so excited because I knew we were going to get the play. And pretty much all it is is a, a timing play. So, you know, we started off in that 1-4 alignment, and pretty much all you wanted to do was when the 2 would always go high and the 3 would always go low on that 1-4, Right. And pretty much when the two cleared the five at that right elbow, we would hit the five and have the two curl right off of the four for a layup. And like I said, I would get so excited. You could see if you were going to get the play or not because it all depended on how the two was trailing. Right. Absolutely. I- I'll let this run here. And-, and for our listeners, as soon as that two man clears the five, we would just cut the two off the four and get a layup. Right to the basket cut. Right to the basket. And like I said, the reason why we wanted to have that guy start on the right wing is because when he's making that layup, he's going to a strong hand, which was his right for the layup. So that opened up a lot of things for us. And especially if we had a four-man that could shoot from the perimeter. So – we would run, obviously, that first play. We called it curl. Uh, 14 curl, Iverson curl. Uh, but then if we had a four-man that could shoot, what ends up happening, teams know that you're going to run it. So we would have that same alignment again. And now this time, teams don't want to get caught on the play again, especially guys that don't want to get stubbed out. So what would happen is 
when the two would clear the five, we would read it. And if X4 played in so that uh, X2 didn't get hit on the cut, we would screen in for the four man. So everything would be the same. Two clear right. the five. As soon as we hit the five man, we would have the two screen in and the four would pop. Pop back, yep. And it'd be a five four pass for a shot would drive the opposing coach livid because it's like, how, how do you stop it? Right. At, at that point. And, you know, we made a living off of that. When we had guys like Wesley Jenkins that could uh, come off that curl for a layup, or if we had a four-man like Marvin Dominique that could make a shot from the perimeter, it was just so hard to guard. But then uh, you guys kind of did the same thing at, at Drexel. Now, yeah. Now let me ask you a question on your on, on your guys' stuff. So, was it really was it just a, a quick hitter that you guys were running? Like, hey, we're just going to run this, get a quick basket, or w- would you flow into something else out of it? Or was it okay if if it does if we don't catch him on it, then you know we go to our our Bates offense. Like, what what was your what was the philosophy? If um, obviously you want to get it, but what what was your philosophy if uh, the team played it correctly? I guess. Oh, so what we would do, let's say if we didn't get the curl <clears throat> for the uh, layup, but obviously now the five-man would still have the, have the ball on the right elbow. Mm-hmm. All we would do from there is have the one, you know, pretty much take the two-man spot in that right on that right wing. The three-man that uh, went under, he would take the right corner, and we would play a two-man game uh, with our four – and our two, and we could do different things. We tried to keep it simple where the four man would just set the little pin down screen for the two and have him come off for a shot. Right. And if he didn't make that shot, it would just be a post up. Okay. So he would just slide, slide down. Yep. Just slide so, down to the block. Yep. Yep. And, and sometimes when you wanted to get a, a little tricky with it, instead of setting the pin down action, we would have the two just set a little back screen for the four, try to get a 5-4 lob pass. If you okay. it, you know, depending on okay. how teams played it, you didn't have okay. it, the two-man would still pop anyway, and then you got your five-to-two pass, and then two would throw it into four. So, you know, just different kind of action. Right. The one thing, so if you were going to pop back, if you knew you had a four-man that could um, that was a good shooter. So you wanted to have the action with the two coming off, or the yeah, well the two coming off the four in case the um, the defensive four man uh, step back, and then you could screen him in and then pop back the four for a shot. Obviously, if you have the four man that could shoot it, but if the five man for what you know say he was a good shooter, um, you could do the same thing. Um, and then you also asked about the alignment. Um, if you're running it for that reason, I would say um, with the four popping back, that's a great way. Only thing I would say is that, and I'm sure you guys did this uh, from the alignment standpoint. um, If you go two, four, five, three, depending on what type of four man you have, it's a little bit harder to switch it. If if team is going to switch it, if you have a a four man, that's kind of mobile, um, you know, I can switch out on the two to to not get beat on on that cut. Um, that could be something, but it'll get, but if you have a, you know a, a bigger four man that's not gonna be able to really stay with a guard, then uh, they wouldn't be able to switch. So then the, then you know the the the, the three and the four uh, being or the two and the four uh, being screening for screening for each other isn't as big of an issue. So, but yeah. no, that's great action. Great action. Right. We would just try you know, fool around and, and do different things with it. We would even put, you know, we had a five-man, uh, Marquise Tucker, that he could make shots from the perimeter as well. Yep. So, we put, yeah, we would put him in that spot right. as well, the, the screen in it, and he would pop back for a shot, uh, you know, fr- from that elbow area. So, it, it varied. You know, we just tinkered with, with different things with guys that could make shots. But the sure. key is, if you get the curl for the layup, you're going to get everything else off of it because right, right. teams start thinking about it. So, you know. They, re- they react more because they don't want to get beat on a play like that for a layup. Drives coach is crazy. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So, now, you guys did something similar. And uh, 
I'm not going to lie, man. Y'all had a bad boy to run this Iverson action for in uh, Damian Lee. I'll let you talk. Now, Damian was a good player, and uh, uh, we ran an Iverson cut that actually Bruiser ran at UMass for another really good shooter, uh, Monty Mack, and then over the years at Drexel, uh, Phil Goss, Tim Whitworth. Um, uh, then, then after those guys, uh, Chris Fouch, tremendous shooter, and Damian Lee was the next in that in that lineage of uh, great guys that would come off this play, uh, which is just a simple Iverson cut, fours and fives, one four high, and we could run it either direction. But the point guard, for the most part, would pick out whoever the best shooter is or if we felt we had a, a mismatch uh, on the perimeter for one of the, the two or the three, um, we could run it for them. But no, it was, uh, had a lot of success in it. The guy scored a lot of points off of it. Okay, so – Let's uh, let's see how, how you guys ran it. So, very similar. Yeah, the point. one one center is a ball. Uh, it can't be at the top of the key because you need a little bit of space. So he would be more so. I would probably say maybe three uh, three quarter. I mean, maybe halfway in between the um, the top of the key and the chart and the um, the jump circle uh, in that area. There, you would try to make sure the point guard was honest by moving him back and forth. You didn't want to stare it down and kind of just keep keep the defense honest. And it was starting start to 1-4 high. Whichever side the point guard would initiate by uh, taking a step in that direction, that would cause whichever wing it was, either the two or the three, to step down a little bit to set up the cut uh, for the four or the five to catch him on the first screen of the stagger. And then you would have um, – so he would be maybe a few steps off of the elbow – uh, diagonally down and then the second screener would be right around the weak side elbow and try to catch that uh, defensive guard trailing on the uh, on the second screen for the ball to get passed to the opposite wing after the uh, the guards um, sprints across off of both screens and the point guard would get the ball to him on that wing and clear out and from there it was yeah. just yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was one-on-one at that point. You have the guy at your mercy. He's chasing you on this clip. Uh, Damian Lee, the guy's a little bit late, but he's there with him. He gives him a jab step to fake like he's going to maybe perhaps drive him baseline. Guy backs up, hands are down. Damian had a really quick release. Well, has a really quick release. That's so why he's uh, uh, playing professionally right now for the Golden State Warriors. And he would get it off, and he shot a good percentage, so he ran it a lot for him. Well, let, let me ask you this. With that play in particular, you know, the way you guys ran it, you know, was different in how we ran it in the sense of when you hit that guy coming over the top of the uh, screens at the elbows, would he have a chance to just rip that ball and go to the basket? And Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. And, and the biggest thing that I didn't mention is the most important thing is and the reason why – we got this play as often as we did is you have to have willing screeners and guys that want to physically screen, screen somebody. That's, that's the key. Right. If you have guys that aren't really interested in, in screening and getting somebody open, then the play is not going to be effective. But if you have willing screeners and I think that over time, the guys, you know, number one, they knew it was their job, but they also like to see these guys come off and shoot the ball. As, as crazy as that sounds, they knew that, Number one, they they like to see these guys come off that screen and hit it. And then also, they also knew if their man stepped out to try to help out on the stagger, then that opened up slips for them, post-up opportunities, duck-ins, if the fours and the fives are helping out, trying to show on their screen because you know you have a really good shooter coming off. And because the screens were so good that that defender is late, well, they knew that that opened up opportunities for them. But, yes, it, it definitely, if you have good shooters, it's really effective. But you want, obviously, the, the full gamut of, okay, if the guy's chasing hard, you want to be able to catch it and keep going all the way to the basket. If the guy's late and he's caught up on the screens, you want to shoot it. And so all you know, then, then once you get really good at it, all right, he's there. You jab him, he backs up, you shoot it. If he does, you jab, he doesn't back up. You maybe hit him with a one-dribble pull-up because he's leaning you know, the, the full gamut is on. And those were plays that we were working on a lot in individual work. And the guys knew that if, if I have this clear out, it's time to go to work. And then also, uh, like I spoke on before, you, you could get a post up um, if, if all else fails. So 
Yeah, it was a lot of different things we did at it, but uh, it was credit to the guy coming off the screen, the, um, you know, what you got out of it. But we were fortunate over the time to uh, have guys that could make that play. And it, it was fun to watch when, when, when they would have it going. We run it a couple of times. The teams knew we were running it, but uh, when you have a guy that can make plays, it, it was um, it was uh, hard to stop. For sure, for sure, for sure. So this is uh, so this, so the next clip. Um, so it's, okay, yeah, it's the same same play, and I think actually, yeah. So now teams try to scout it a little bit. They know it's coming on this play. The defender on the first screen of the stagger tries to go all the way underneath it because again you have good screeners. He doesn't want to get hit and clip with them over the top, so he decides he wants to go under. So then we were running the play we call a bump back where the the point guard knew and the the shooter knew that if the guy goes under instead of going off the screen I'm going to pop back him and then the 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 uh big that screening knows I'll set just a little rub fade for him but the guy's so low you know he's standing all the way in the paint the, that defender because he wants to go under the screens and try to meet him on the other side and so now he, you know, if you throw it back to the guard, he's done. He, he he can't recover to that and gets a wide open shot for a really good shooter, and it's a knockdown. Now, it's a couple things I, I want to say on this clip for the listeners, and you know, you guys heard about it, and obviously, if you go to our YouTube page, you'll be able to see the play. Damian Lee shot that ball from pretty far. Yes, but. Yeah. He didn't big, have to. He was showing off. <laughs> he didn't have to. He could have got closer. He was definitely showing off. But the biggest thing that I see, and Matt, you can correct me on this, Bruiser Flint's got his hand in his pocket like he knew the shot was going in anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I said, Damien was, Damien was a very good player. So when he had it going and you ran this play, you, it, it was – that the term you know what it was that yeah that 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 would be apropos uh, that he uh, you know wasn't too much to get excited about because uh, when he had it going it was um, money in the bank it's money in the bank yeah now being that you're a head coach now mm -hmm. do you have your hand in your pockets a lot when you know guys can make plays yes okay yes. Hey. not and uh, and you know I try to. I try to uh, – sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Depends on the game. You know, if, if, I think I'm just like all coaches. When we're playing well and we're doing our thing and you see the rhythm, you you know, you let the guys do their thing. And it's fun to watch. When you see things clicking and you see the things you work on starting to really take shape out there. And, and then or if you have a guy that's a good player, I had a guy who made all-conference this year, Elijah Bovell, as a junior, and – he was the third leading scorer in the conference. So those days when he has it going and you're running plays for him, it's fun to watch. You know, that that's uh, that's fun. And uh, actually, I, I started, I didn't, my first few years of coaching, I didn't run the Iverson actions, the, the down screen like you see here. Um, I didn't run uh, a lot of that stuff, but uh, I put it in for him this year towards uh, the second half of the season. And he he did he did well with it, so we'll continue to develop him um, in in that role of you know if we want to get a clear out bucket because we feel the guy who's guarding him uh, can't handle him one on one, then we'll we'll run the you know run the Iverson clear clear out that side for him and let him do his thing. You know it's it's a it's it's fun to watch if the guys if you have a guy that can get it done like that. So yeah, it's a try to be cool out there, I guess. <laughs> hey, I don't know about the listeners. I will be at some Queens College games this year. Well, this I don't know about that. Yes, you have your hand in your pocket. No, 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 no. I have to show it. I don't know if we're playing. I don't think we're gonna have any spectators. It's probably be the same. You know, same for you guys. You know, if we, you know, it'll be empty gyms. But uh, I'll send you the film. I'll, I'll say, hey, Marco, check check it out. <laughs> I'll be looking for that in particular on the film. Yeah, hands on your pocket. <laughs> when uh, a young, young fellow Bovell makes a shot. Yeah. So now with the Iverson actions, it opens up a lot, right? right. And watching you guys w when you were at Drexel, 
when Damian Lee got it going, you know, like Larry Brown did for Allen Iverson, you just want to get him the ball in, in different kind of actions. So, you know, watching this next play, you know, you guys started it out of a box alignment. Yep, box set. Uh, yep. You know, and you keep your five and, and your four at the top elbows, and then obviously your two guards on the uh, block and have them play off of each other. Right. But I, I like this play. So if you don't mind talking about it uh, for our listeners, if you want to get a chance to view it on YouTube, uh, I'll set it up for you. So box alignment. Uh, you got your five and your four on the uh, right and left elbow. You got your three on the uh, left block. You got your two on the right block. Matt, yep. I'll let you take it away. All right. So same thing, point guard would initiate. The two wings would cross underneath. And then whichever, um, you would hit one of the, the point guard would initiate, hit one of the elbows. And either the four or the five steps out. This time it's the four steps out. Now he has the ball on the lane line outside the three. Then he'll go to a dribble handoff opposite with one of, uh, with the opposite guard on the other elbow, which brings that guard that was on the block off the dribble handoff. And now he has the ball at the top of the key. The point guard goes away after he um, uh, hits that hits the uh, this case it was the four on the lane line. So now he's on the weak side wing, and the the guard that was on the weak side block after the cross. Now he's getting a screen from the five, and then the four into a baseline stagger. And again, depending on how the defender plays it, if he tries to go over the top. The, the guard can bump back to the corner. If he chases it, he can curl it. If he's just late off the screen, obviously, then then he's going to shoot that ball. So we did a lot with our staggers um, when we had those shooters. And it was Damian Lee, but it was also Chris Fouch, another tremendous shooter with deep range and, and, and a quick release. And we would, you know, run those guys off a lot of screens, but also give always gave a lot of credit to our, our, our bigs, uh, uh, Daryl McCoy and Sammy Sammy Givens, who was a tremendous uh, block scorer in his own right. But those guys, they took pride in hitting people. And, and we were a physical team. Um, and people thought that, you know, we just like beating people to death but a bit uh, on defense. But a big part of it was we tried to punish guards on offense also with, with good screening. And again, those guys knew that if they set good screens and then the bigs have to step out and help because the guards are late because of those screens, then they knew they had easy slip up, slip opportunities, or at the very least, they could get deep duckings because of where the, um, you know, they could get great position with, with the big stepping out, trying to help off of the staggers. So now two things with that. Before I go into that, shout out to Chris Fouch. I actually saw Chris Fouch score 72 points in a uh, – AAU game once um, at, at ISA. So one of New York City's finest. Shout out to Chris Fouch. I think that's still a record. I don't think anybody's broken it yet. Unless last I heard, I think it's still that record still stands. Now, question: Just with the uh, before the uh, bottom guard comes off the stagger, right down, I should say, could that be a cross screen first? That he sets the cross screen. So obviously, like you said, you have. The uh, four-man set the dribble handoff with your two or whichever guard is coming off. And right. then opposite guard, can that be a cross screen, four big into a – To bring it back. Yeah, yeah it, it could be. And we did. We would run We would run a lot of different things out of this alignment. Depending. So we a lot of times, if we wanted to get the ball to Sammy Givens on mm -hmm. the block, then we would do that. We would set the cross screen for him. And instead of looking for – or even out of this play. Yep. Right, right, right here. We could just see see him stepping out on that screen. Yep, so sir. now the guy's late. Now if we just, it could be a cross screen, but if we we could have posted Sammy uh, right there, we could have. Um, but also if, but we would have a play out of this alignment that if it's okay, we want the first look to be uh, getting Sammy on the block. Then yeah, we would just run the same action with the dribble handoff and then cross screen for him off the block and then uh, bring that guard out and in space and and let Sammy go to work and. You know, Sammy, Sammy's a great, 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 great low post scorer. And um, so, yeah, so so depending on the, the makeup of your team and where where you want to get the ball and what you're trying to do on that possession, you know, there were lots of options. Then th this team was good because we could play inside out. We could play on the block 
we could play on the perimeter and it was almost pick your poison of what you wanted to do. And we would adjust off that. So if we felt like the, they were staying home on the guards and, and the bigs weren't helping that right. we knew that we knew the guards were going to have a good, <laughs> I mean, they were going to have a good day if, if the bigs weren't helping uh, off of anything. Um, if the bigs were helping, then we knew that uh, it would, it would be the, 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 the bigs opportunity on offense to, um, to exploit. So, right. and that, that would just be the, flow of the game on depending on what adjustment the other coach was making and then we would adjust to that okay okay so now the, the last one I, I guess you guys can kind of started it in the first clip that we showed you guys started it out of a box alignment right this one's out of a flex cut yeah you run it out of a flex cut as well so you know describe this one to us G give us the alignment and uh you know, talk about this a little bit. So this was actually a transition play that we ran. So you would see the five, um, probably this was probably off of a rebound and our fours and fives pretty much just like our twos and threes were interchangeable as far as the role. They knew both spots. So in this instance in transition, uh, I see that uh, Sammy Givens was up the floor first. So he's on the block and the five is trailing. So he must have gotten the rebound and Sammy number 45 went up the floor. So the, the point guard brought the ball down on the left lane line. Uh, Damian Lee was in the corner and the opposite guard was Chris Fouch in the opposite corner. So the ball was brought down on the left-hand side, reversed to the top of the key. So now once the ball hits the top of the key, which is the five man, uh, Damian was in the, in the, in the, cor in the left corner. So now he's coming off of the flex cut to the block. We don't get it. The five dribbles backed with the, um, the point guard into a, just a, you know, not a crazy dribble handoff, but it could be. All right. And again, so Damien came off the flex cut. So now the four was on the block. He came off, comes back off of the four. And then the five after he did the dribble handoff with the one is coming down to that same side block. And then again, pinning the guard that was chasing him. Guard tries to, um, he tried to cheat the screen. He got stuck on it a little bit. And Dame actually probably could have curled it on this one because that's the direction the guard was going on the defense but again you know he was a good shooter so he took the other route he bounced it back to the corner a little bit um but he was open and he's a good shooter so he, he shot it and made it so again so so we would you know again it, but it all came down uh, to the screening all came down to the screening and, and I want to talk about that you, you were being nice and you said that the guard that was guarding Damian Lee got caught on the screen. He didn't get caught, at <laughs> When our listeners see this, they're going to see he didn't get caught. He got walloped. Daryl yeah. McCoy was a big boy. Yeah, and he likes screening, screening people. He likes yeah. screening people. But again, that's what that's what made our team good is is those guys sacrificing and knowing, okay, we're going to screen for these guys to, to get them open. It was, you know, obviously we talked about it and we worked on it, but the, re the reality was is that those guys, they took pride in it and they wanted to do it and they wanted to hit people and they wanted to get the guards open. And that, that was a big part of why that team was so successful. Right, right. All right, no, that, that's good stuff, and I, I think. Uh, a shout out to Allen Iverson, though he, he showed he showed everybody the way, <laughs> and Larry Brown. Shout out to Allen Iverson. Shout out to Larry Brown. Now I'm going to ask you this: You're running these plays, and you coach some guys. Who are you running this for? You running it for Damian Lee? You running it for the OG Monty Mack at UMass? Oof. Or are you running it for Chris Fouch at Drexel? Who are you running this for? And, uh, and so we're clear, before you answer this, all three of those guys are going to hear this. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, in that case, I gotta, I, I'm going political. I, I'm going political. That's like choosing who your favorite kid is. So I'm not going to do that. I love okay. all those guys. That's what we're clear. <laughs> I have a favorite kid, by the way. <laughs> I have a favorite kid. It's not about well, that, right now. It's yeah. about you. Yeah, that's like I, I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, go neutral on that one. All those guys were great, great shooters, great playmakers, 
and I, I enjoyed watching them all come off, <laughs> come off of the Iverson cuts and saw them put the ball in the basket a lot doing it. So I won't, I won't, uh, I won't do that. I'm going to be political. Those are my guys. Still talk to all of them. Uh, love those guys. They actually used to have like a little friendly competition. We were at Drexel. We would go to Boston to play Northeastern and Monty would come to the hotel and he would tease them and say, you know, y'all guys shoot it pretty good, but y'all don't get it off like I did. So, you know, that was a little friendly rivalry and, and, and you know, uh, they, they, but they took pride in it, you know, that that was their play. Like they knew like, okay, be, and as a player, realistically, especially if you're a good player, you want, your coach to have that type of faith in you, right? Like, look, I'm going to have these guys scream for you and we're going to clear out the whole side of the floor and you're going to take this guy one-on-one. You're going to shoot. You know you're coming off this play to shoot it or you're coming off this play to drive it if the guy's chasing you hard or you know you, you know that this play is for you. So if a coach has that type of confidence in you and you know that – and he knows that you have the ability to, to get it done in that situation and you believe that you have – the ability to get it done in that situation, then you're going to have good results. And I think that it was just a symptom of that. And those guys knew that. So, I mean, they you didn't have to tell them, all right, we're running down, you know, they, they would try to call it themselves. Like, or, or they, it would be funny. Sometimes you would see, say, if you had two good shooters in the game and, you know, guys, we had good chemistry. I, we, I, we've, I've never really been around a team that had jealousy and that type of thing. But you could see like if the shot clock was running down and the point guard had the ball that you might have, Chris Foucher on one side and Damian Lee on the other side, you could see them occasionally signal to the point guard, run it to my side. Because <laughs> they, they wanted it, right? Right. And now, if you have either one of those guys on either one of your wings, you're, you know, it, it's uh, something good's going to happen. So now it's up to the point guard to spread it out a bit. Like, okay, I got you this time, then probably I'll get you the next time. And we, when we have Franz Masson, that was a great point guard, and he was in that predicament. I, I thought he did a good job spreading it spreading it out to make sure everybody was happy. Um, but no, those, those were the good times, good times. Shout no, out. I'm not picking, though. I'm not picking. Well, can I tell you who would allow me to put my hand in my pockets and just relax? Yeah. <laughs> Sure, yeah, yeah. Now, so you, you know, you've coached good players over the years too. So, absolutely. Well, no, absolutely. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna answer the question for you because okay, that's I don't fine. Really have an allegiance. That's to fine, guys. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to go with the OG money back. Yeah, he was tough, tough, and he'll enjoy. And when I send this to him, he'll thoroughly enjoy that. <laughs> you're really not. Thoroughly, enjoy. you're not. Was that? You're not gonna bite on this. No, 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 no. Now the all of them will all of them will probably say something to me individual. How you're not going to pick me? But that's you know, I'd rather take all of them saying why did you why didn't you pick me over two of them mad because I picked someone else over because they're not going to believe if you ask them individually all of them going to say oh I was the best coming off the down screen then that that's without question I know that because I've seen the conversation happen so. Um, you know, it's all in good fun. And, you know, the best thing about those guys were, you know, even though pl- the players were getting called from it, and it was amazing. They, they weren't selfish players. Um, they, you know, but they just knew, like, okay, it's my time for me to to get this off and, and, and make something happen. And they um, – and they're all you know, great guys. I don't even call them kids. Great guys doing well in life, all graduated from college and – Doing well, obviously. Damien's in the NBA now, but Fouch is doing great. You know, he's coaching a little bit now, and you know, it must be crazy trying to get into this game. But now, I believe so. I believe so. so doing some doing some youth stuff. Yeah, that changes my answer then. Yeah. So I, I might go, Chris. Chris, I'm shouting you out. He's about the he's about the kids. Yeah, he's about the kids. So, yeah. You know, uh, when you hear this, and, and I do call you, give me some love, man. Yeah, so. man, he's uh, – all of them All of them doing great, though. And uh, But they – but uh, it was fun watching those guys get it off. So then I, I, one day I'll uh, I'll get, a, like, a little highlight tape together of uh, one of my guys doing that uh, coming off. I'll show it to them, and then they can critique it. Or, you know, hopefully we get those guys come to a game, and then they can tell Elijah, like, oh, you know, yeah, you run it pretty good, but you don't run it like me. But I know that's what they'll say because <laughs> I know that's what they'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, I think uh, that kind of wraps up our discussion today. Um, yeah, no. We, we had a good time. and Absolutely. 
t- talked about a lot, and, and we found out some more about one another. Clearly, you're absolutely. Not Nas out anymore? After <laughs> I, I, I did not say that. I did not say that. You're, 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 please don't tag him on this because I, I don't want to. You know, I'm a Nas fan, so any project that he puts out, I'm going to listen to. And uh, but I would always give my honest critique. But it was a good album. It was a good album. Okay. 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 Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this, uh, having a chance to talk music. We had a chance to talk some pop culture with... Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And talk some hoops, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to get some guests on here, man. We got to, we got to spread the, spread the love though. We got to, you know, we got to get some guests. We got, you know, we got to, you know, hopefully we'll show this, these uh, episodes to some guys and they'll be interested in coming on and, taking part in uh, our film breakdowns and our discussion of what they like to do as uh, assistant coaches or head coaches in their programs. And, uh, and I have a little bit of bleacher talk, see if we can't get them to, uh, if they don't have any crazy takes like you do, you know, we'll talk about it, have some fun, have some fun with it. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it, man. Well, if you want to take us out, man, take us out. And we'll yeah, uh, not then. back later. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Bleachers and Boards, part of the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. We're excited about another great episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to check us out on all our social media accounts and our YouTube page. And uh, we'll continue to bring great content to the listeners for uh, your uh, growth during this period. But we're looking forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Take care. Well, that's another episode of Bleachers and Boards brought to you by the Hoop Heads Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Bleachers and Boards. Until next time, see you soon.